Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of John, chapter 16. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. God says that we are not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Listen, I'm trying to help somebody. If he doesn't love Jesus, you're not going to get him to go to church. And all of a sudden, because you and your spiritual self go to church and you're going to preach the Bible to him, all of a sudden he's going to come and love Jesus. That ain't going to happen like that. As a matter of fact, you're going to marry him. And guess what's going to happen? He's going to turn on you because light and darkness can't mix. Oil and water can't mix. Fire and water can't mix. Christ and Belial can't mix. So your spiritual life, your godly life is going to be a conviction to him. It's going to cause problems in the home. And then what about the children that you do bring into the home? It is a trap. Listen, not listening to the counsel of the Lord is a trap. You know my story. Before coming here to North Carolina, God had been showing me through visions and dreams and showing my wife through visions and dreams that we were to move to the East Coast. We were out at, on the West Coast and I was at a Calvary Chapel and I was serving the Lord and I was, I was, uh, enjoying serving the Lord. I, we had a youth ministry and, and we were, we were doing awesome. I loved doing what I was doing. I was happy. And, 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 and God started speaking to me about coming the, the, the North Carolina, the pastor of church. And, and, and I'm like, I don't know. Maybe that's bad pizza. I don't, you know, I don't know. That can't be the Lord. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I hadn't been in pastor training. I didn't know anything. I, I barely made it through 12th grade. I mean, I mean, <laughs> mom, you don't need to clap so loud. That's my mother. Yes. That boy, my mother used to tell me, you remember you used to tell me this, you used to say, Rodney, you used to say, that mouth of yours, you used to say this, right? That mouth of yours, that either God's going to really, really use you or, or somebody's going to kill you, boy. Remember you used to say that? And thank God, God really used me. <laughs> Because God, I have always, you know, I've always been this way. I have always, have I not, I was always keeping it 100 before anybody ever said keep it 100. All but to you. Yes, right. Mom said all but to me. I'm out in California. We're doing the work of the ministry. I'm happy. God calls us into the ministry. I said to my wife, I said, we're going to go to the pastor and we're going to ask the pastor, what does he think? And whatever the pastor says, that's what we're going to go with. Because I have always believed in submission to the leadership that God has put over me. I have always believed that. 
And I always believe that if I can sit in that pew and that man preach the gospel and you go, amen, 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 write it down, amen, oh yes, oh yes, that man preached that sermon, oh yeah, for years and years. But then when you come to me and ask me something and I tell you something you don't want to hear, then you'd be like, talk to the hand, I ain't listening. <laughs> oh, what's that? You either trust me as the man that God put over your life as a spiritual shepherd to lead you and to give you God's counsel and give you God's will, or not. And if it is not, then go find another church where you can be under some leadership. So we go to the pastor. When I said, sat down, I said, Pastor, what do you think? I feel like God's calling us to go to the North Carolina. I think it's bad pizza. Elvira, I think it's the Lord. <laughs> and he said, he looked at me. He said, you know what? I think it's the Lord. And I went. <laughs> because I was happy doing what I was doing. I was happy serving the Lord. But when he said that he felt that God, then God began to move things around. Now, you might be thinking, well, what if you trusted that man to go to him for counsel and and he told you something that maybe it wasn't the Lord? Listen, you don't have that to worry about because God, when God has a plan and God has a purpose, God's plans and purpose cannot be thwarted. You can't mess up God's plan because you say something different than what God says. If you say something different than what God says, God will maneuver things around to get things done because we're talking about God. We ain't talking about you. You can't do nothing. Amen. Look at your neighbor and tell him you can't do nothing. But God can do all things because he's a mighty God. So I can trust him. I can trust the counsel that he gives me. And then I don't fall into the trap of not receiving the counsel of the Lord. So important. Ten godly people, you got a situation and ten godly people tell you the exact same thing. And yet you go and do your own thing. That's a trap. There is a wisdom and a multitude of counsel. You need to learn that. And if you feel a certain way, you feel some type of way about whatever, then you go to somebody you trust. You go to a couple of two, three people that you trust. And if you hear the same thing coming from three different people, you can bet that's the word of the Lord to you. You need to learn to trust that. And if you don't, I'm waiting while you clap your hands. And if you don't, it's a trap. I'm going to say this. Listen, Little League sports is a trap. Yeah, I said it. <laughs> little League sports is a trap. Have y'all noticed the people, the Little League sports, the, the games, the practices, they're all on either a Wednesday or a Sunday. Don't you see something really? Maybe I'm just a conspiracy theorist. I don't know. But don't you see something odd in that? Why is taking families and children away from God, away from the things of God, away out of church? And so I see people and they, you know, I see them. Hey, I haven't seen you in a while. Where you been? Well, you know, we've been on the road and we've been here and we've been there. And some of these sports are not cheap. 
I mean, some of them are not cheap. I was talking to a friend. It costs hundreds of thousands of dollars to do um, the, um, um, uh, what's, what's that one thing uh, where they hit the, hit, the, hit the puck, hit the puck? Hockey, 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 hockey. That's a funny word, hockey. Hockey. And you go, where you been? Well, you know, we got the kids. We're going all over here. And they hockey this and hockey that and hockey this. And, oh, yeah, they're almost a professional. I had your church light. Everybody you been? You ain't been in church in so long. You know, they say the doors of the church is always open. You ain't been there in so long, you're going to have to knock. A trap. I've always said to my family, whatever you're doing, If it takes us out of the things of God and out of the house of God, we don't do that because we're we're not. We don't do that because we're because we're not going to fall into the trap of the enemy. The trap of the enemy to take you away from the things of God, to take you out of church, to take you out of hearing the word of God so you could be built up and be strong. Because let me tell you something. The Bible says that heaven and earth shall, uh, heaven and earth and the word of God will endure forever. The hockey will not endure forever. Y'all say a better amen than that. Hockey will not endure forever. Heaven and earth and God's word shall endure forever. And if what you're doing takes you away from the things of God, it's a trap. Scandalon. You got to get your eyes open. Ask God, God, help me to see that the enemy, what traps the enemy is trying to set before me. Some guy walk up to you and he want to get your phone number. That might be a trap. I'm trying to help you. All right. Give him the wrong number. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) Chapter 15, Jesus told them that they would be persecuted. Now look at verse 2. Chapter 16, look at verse 2. Jesus is giving them details on how they'll be persecuted. They will be put out of the synagogues. Yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think that they're offering God a service. Jesus says they are going to unsynagogue you. Now, remember, I told you, if you've been with me, to be unsynagogued meant that you were cut off from the life of Israel. Remember the blind man? They wanted to unsynagogue his parents because they couldn't explain why the blind man could receive it. John chapter nine, they, why the blind man could receive his sight. And the parents didn't want to become unsynagogued. And so they said, hey, we don't know, ask him. Because they knew what it meant. To be unsynagogued meant that you were cut off from the life of Israel. You lost your ability to pray to God. You lost your ability to be blessed by God. You lost your family. You, you would be treated as dead. If you were unsynagogued, that meant social, relational, financial, spiritual, and even practical bankruptcy. Jesus said the persecution will be so bad and they will be so deceived that they will think that killing you is doing God a favor. Last week, we talked about the disciples were all martyred except one. And the thing that I want you to understand that I didn't have time to point out last week is that these men didn't become martyrs when they died a physical death. They became martyrs when they decided to follow Jesus. You see, by definition, a martyr means to give one's life. These guys gave their life the day they were called to follow Jesus. And when it finally came time to play it out to the full, it was never a question as to whether they would actually follow through with 
uh, death for Jesus. They gave their lives for Jesus. We talked about that last week. Look at verse 4. We got to move on. Jesus said, listen, I didn't tell you these things at the beginning because I was with you. I was there to comfort you and help you, but now that I'm going away, I won't be there. I don't want you to be surprised. I don't want the scandalon to take you down. Jesus says in verse 5 and 6, Now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you ask me where we're going, where I'm going, but sorrow has filled your heart. You see, these verses show us that the disciples were just like us. Jesus has been telling them that he's going away and they are only thinking about what it means to them or how he was going away will affect them. And Jesus said, because I said this, sorrow has filled your heart. Jesus knows that some stuff is just hard to comprehend and understand. And at the same time, we still need to hear it. And so Jesus says it in love. Look at verse seven. The first word in verse seven is nevertheless. This is one of the greatest words in the Bible, I think. Nevertheless, got a pen? Nevertheless, it means despite all that, despite all that, despite the fact that Jesus knew their hearts were filled with sorrow, despite the fact that they would miss him, despite the fact that maybe they felt they gave up three years of their lives to follow him and now he's leaving. Nevertheless, Jesus says, I'm telling you the truth It's for your benefit that I go away. Are you listening? It's better. It's for your advantage, not mine, but yours. Jesus says, it's to your advantage that I be arrested. It's to your advantage that I be beaten, mocked, sentenced to die. It's to your advantage that I be nailed to a cross. It's to your advantage that his lifeless body is laid in the grave. It's to your advantage that I go, because if I don't go, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Jesus says, In verse 8 through 11, I'm sending the helper. The helper is on his way. Now, beginning in verse 8, look at verse 8. Jesus talks to the disciples about the work of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to notice, look at verse 7. Jesus said, and I did not notice this until Saturday. You know what? You know, reading the Bible, you can get something out of it every time you read it. Am I right about it? Again, somebody once said, God's word is deep enough for a theologian to drown in and shallow enough for a baby to swim in. And every time you open this book, you cannot exhaust the pages of this book. John Grisham, you can read that book and be done with it. Put it on a shelf, give it away. Who's some other authors? Stephen King, Clancy. I don't read them books. They're not like the Bible. This book right here is living. This is a living word of God. And that's why every time you read it, you get something new out of it because it's living over and over. So I'm reading this verse. Never saw it before. Been reading it for many, many years now. John chapter 7 or 16 and verse 7. Jesus said, if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. In other words, the Spirit of God comes to the disciples and works through you, works through the disciples to affect the world. Warren Wearsby said this, It is important to note that the Spirit comes to the church and not to the world. This means that he works in and through the church. The Holy Spirit does not minister in a vacuum, just as the Son of God 
had to have a body in order to do his work on earth. So the spirit of God needs a body to accomplish his ministries. And that body is a church. So our bodies are his tools and temple. And he wants to use us to glorify Christ and to witness to a lost world. And so Jesus is making the point of how the Holy Spirit is going to be working through them to accomplish three things. Got a pen? There's a threefold effect that the church has, should have, should I say, should have on the world. We'll look at these quickly. Number one, to convict the world of sin because they don't believe in Jesus. Number two, convict the world of righteousness because I go to the Father. And number three, to convict the world of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Number one, let's look at it, to convict the world of sin because they don't believe in Jesus. Listen, the sin that the Holy Spirit convicts of is their unbelief in Jesus. Somebody say amen. He doesn't say of sin because they commit murder or of sin because they commit adultery or of sin because they watch pornography or of sin because they smoke and chew and go with girls who do. Jesus says, I will convict them of sin because they don't believe in me because there has been a provision made for sin. Church, can we please get this? Adultery, listen to me close. Adultery will not send the person to hell. Homosexuality will not send the person to hell. Thievery will not send the person to hell. Drug addiction will not send the person to hell. Stealing a Kit Kat bar will not send the person to hell. Y'all picking up what I'm putting down? None of these things will send the person to hell. Sin will not send the person to hell. It's the refusal of the sin bearer that will send people to hell. It's the refusal of Christ. That's the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. My prayer for that young man that passed away on Monday. I don't know what his last words were. I don't know what his last situation was. I, I, I know him from here at church, but I don't know him like that. But my prayer for him was that as he was laying on that floor, unconscious, that his unconscious state could call out to God. Because how many of you know that God can hear you even if your lips are not speaking? God can hear you even if your lips are not speaking. So my prayer for him is that he would call out to God and ask God to save him and ask God to forgive him and ask God to, to cleanse him and to receive him into his kingdom. Because if you leave this earth and you don't receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that is called the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And that is the unpardonable sin. That is the refusal of the sin bearer. None of these other things. And I think what we need to understand is that none of these other things send people to hell. What sends people to hell is their refusal of Jesus because Jesus died for them. Come on, clap your hands and say amen. Because Jesus died for them. There's no provision for Christ's rejectors. Number two, the Holy Spirit is going to convict of righteousness 
because I go to my Father and you see me no more. The Holy Spirit not only shows us how bad we are, but he shows us how good Christ is. The world has to deal with the fact that when Jesus died, he didn't stay dead. Somebody say amen. He rose from the grave and he went to the Father and the tomb is empty. And I know the tomb is empty because I've been to Israel 12, 13, 14 times. I lose count. And every time I go to Israel, I check the tomb. Just to make sure he's not there. And he's not there. He is risen. Zoroaster is in his tomb. Buddha is in a pot in a temple somewhere. Muhammad is in a tomb. Confucius is in a tomb. But Jesus, his tomb is empty. The world will have to deal with the righteousness because Jesus said, I'm going to my father and you will see me no more. So the greatest proof of the righteousness of Jesus is the empty tomb. Point number three. And finally, the work of the Holy Spirit is to convict the world of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Who is the ruler of this world? Satan, Lucifer, the adversary, the slanderer, the prince of the power of the air, the father of lies. He goes by many names. Satan is a superhuman enemy of God and the people of God and all that is good. And he is already judged. The ruler of this world is judged. When Jesus died on the cross, Satan probably thought, Satan probably had a party. When Jesus died, Satan thought he got the victory. He thought he defeated Jesus once and for all. But three days later, somebody once said on that great getting up morning, on that morning, Jesus rose from the grave and defeated Satan. And, and, and he got victory over sin, sickness, the devil, disease, and death, and Satan was judged. The ruler of this world is judged. Jesus conquered Satan's greatest power. Listen, what was Satan's greatest power? Death. Death was Satan's greatest power. And Jesus defeated that. First Corinthians chapter 15, 54 and 55. I'm coming in for a landing. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? And Revelation tells us that death will experience its own death. Revelation 21, 22, somewhere around there. Y'all check that for me. Revelation tells us that death and hell will be cast into the lake of fire. So death will be experiencing its own death because Jesus defeated death on the cross. Real simple. If God can judge Satan, every man, woman, boy, and girl that ever attached to Satan will be judged. When the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to bring the world to the courtroom and he will bring a verdict and everyone will submit to it. And that's why it's important, saints, to share the gospel with your family and friends. You are only a part of the team. God is using you. You bring Christ to men. The Holy Spirit brings men to Christ. Did you get that? You bring Christ to men. The Holy Spirit brings men to Christ. We sow the seed. Third service. Pray for me. We sow the seed. Someone else waters. What happens? God gives the increase. Tell people about Jesus. It's important. We're not telling people about Jesus. 
The Mormons are still riding their bikes. One of them came up to me in the parking lot the other day. That boy was 20-something years old. I said, Lord, y'all need to send somebody a little bit older. Okay? 20-something years old. He asked me that I want to go to paradise, and he goes to his whole spiel. And I'm like, listening. I, I never mentioned I'm a pastor. I never said, pipe down. You probably don't know what you're talking about. I didn't say nothing. I just listened to him. And then I began to share the gospel with him and share the scriptures with him. And he goes, you sound like you know a little bit about the Bible. <laughs> really not that much. I'm still growing. I'm still learning. And um, by the time they ended the conversation, he said, you know, I need to get one of the one of the older elders to come and talk to you. I said, yeah, that's what you probably need to do. I said, you go on and have a nice day. Get on the bike. (laughs) You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.